Um, Matt, so you know how I'm generally pretty bright, but very stupid. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I frequently catch myself uh, saying, you know, as frequently as I need to talk about what many call necklaces, um, you know, as frequently as I talk about necklaces, I frequently, as frequently, find myself talking about um, what many also call bracelets. Would you agree those are the agreed upon terms for those things? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, some sometimes I more times than I say it correctly, I catch myself saying wrist necklace instead <laughs> of a bracelet. Are you kidding? I'm not kidding. This is what? something that happens to me as frequent like pretty much anytime I need to say talk about what many call bracelets, I I just like I I sit I stand there and I'm like what uh what are those uh, uh wrist necklaces? Wrist necklaces. Uh and today that happened again. I was brushing my teeth before the pod so that my with your um, tooth my, comb with my no no see it, i i used my toothbrush but what in my you know big stupid head um that inside of which is my big stupid brain um i lifted up my toothbrush and i thought to myself where is my tooth soap <laughs> <laughs> theme song This is the Motion Pixels Podcast. I'm your co-host, August Meyer. August, say hello. Hi. Uh, this is my co-host, Matthew Rawlings. Matthew, say hello. Hello. And this is the Motion Pixels Podcast. Uh, joining us this week uh, is nobody. Um, it's just Matt and I. Uh, wonderful. Uh, and we have so much to talk about. Matt and I... Um, well, Matt, uh, you and I, you know, we're, we're generally pretty, as you can tell, you know, obviously by our outfits in Animal Crossing, we're pretty trendy. Um, we love, love TikTok. Uh, Matt, what's your favorite TikTok meme? Uh, the... As you can tell, we're very trendy. So uh, we've been playing <laughs> a game that uh, has surpassed one of the game. Uh, let's just say it's surpassed a game by one of the world's biggest most prolific most historically important video game developers matt you know you're familiar with half-life alex right or the whole half-life franchise you're familiar with that yeah yeah so the game that we have been playing matthew has surpassed even <laughs> even one of the most recent games by this historically prolific developer valve software um, the game we've been playing is double double it's an order of magnitude more popular than even one of their most recent games um of course i'm talking about artifact which last week had about 150 people online we have been playing uh natural selection 2 a game from 2012 that uh we started a private server um to play with some uh buddies while we're uh maxing and relaxing over this uh past long memorial day weekend um, and we brought the player count. Um, let's just say we added about 10% of Artifact's player count to Natural Selection 2 to just give Natural Selection 2 a commanding lead on the Steam charts um, over Valve Software's um, Artifact. 
Um, we uh, we played quite a bit of that, and we'll be talking about that this week. Um, we also have been playing. Um, it's this. Uh, what's the? It's kind of hard to describe. It's a. It's an immersive simulator, like you might see from like Arcane Studios. Check out No Clips. No clip on YouTube. Check out their new documentary at Arcane Studios. Uh, they make a lot of uh, life simulator, not life simulators, but immersive simulators. Uh, this is another immersive simulator we've been playing. Uh, it's an immersive turnip stock market simulator called Animal Crossing that we'll be touching on. That we'll be uh, brazing uh, with our content brushes uh, and uh, our content meat mops. And, uh, you know, like the, what do you call those? Maybe this is just me being stupid again, Matt, but what do you call that thing that you braise meat with? Is that a meat mop? It can't be a meat mop. Yeah, yeah, I think it's called a meat mop. Yeah, we'll be braising Animal Crossing with our content meat mops. Um, and then also from the same era, from the early aughts. Actually, I don't even know what year this is from. I'm pretty sure it's from right before, in from the pre-aughts, from the, the tweens of the 2000s. Well, the, the pre-tweens. Yeah, the, no, no, it, it would be the tweens. Uh, we watched Twilight um, based on the best-selling horny vampire novel. Uh, we watched the original Twilight film. Um, and boy, do we have a lot to say about it. Um, that's what we'll be covering this week. But Matt... You know, how you been doing? What's been grinding your gears? What's been steaming your clams? Oh, you know, man, just uh, a lot of natural selection, too. Uh, a lot of dead games, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just mm-hmm. bringing back the past. Because uh, before we even played natural selection, we were, what well, we were slating? We were going to play Halo 2, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just a lot of uh, nostalgia feels going on. Um just to mix it up, you know, it's nice to go back. Right now, we're actually trying to organize a lot of people to play Evolve. Have you ever have you ever played that? Oh, that's that dead game. Yeah, that that super dead game, that actually dead game. Yeah, I, I have you played. You know, it? I I have not played it. However, I remember. You know, I am a uh, avid video game news junkie. Um, I inject video game news straight into my veins every day. Um, and I remember hearing a lot about Evolve. Um, it had a huge amount of hype when it was um, being developed and close to release. And then it came out and died. That's what yeah. I know about Evolve. Yeah, dude. Like, so, like, you're memeing that, like, Artifact is dead, right? Like, Artifact has 150 players. Um, mm-hmm. Evolve is actually dead where it's delisted. And you can't really get the game um, and has like, I think something like 20 players a day or something like that. But what's cool is we actually found a process to uh, get the game for everybody. So we can, uh, if if we're able to get the game files to people, they can play it because there's this like weird workaround you can do. Um, so we're doing this whole like zombification process to, to get Evolve back alive so we can play it. It's pretty cool. So it'll be an undead monster, not unlike the shiny vampires of Stephanie Meyer's horny vampire novel, Twilight. Yeah, exactly. They're pretty much the same thing. Very cool. Very cool. Um, I look forward to that because this weekend was like so much fun. Dude, we played Natural Selection 2 on, uh, I forget what day it was over the weekend. You know, all days blend together. Um, You know, it's... 
you know, the, that shared ordeal that we're all going through right now. But um, we played Natural Selection 2 for like 12 straight hours or so on. Oh, yeah, dude. Was we played weekend. for a long time. Yeah, that game is so jank. Nah, is it janky? It's just very, it, it, it's very dated. However, it's so in a league of its own. It is just doing its own thing. And I know there's other asymmetrical uh, multiplayer games. And I, I'll, we, can, we can go over a overview of what Natural Selection 2 is in a minute. But um, that game is so much fun. It is so weird to play and weird to master. But once you get the hang of it, it is just a, it's a hoot and a holler. I mean, that, that's an awesome game. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I'll, I'll give some background on it because I feel like if we were to ever get background on a game, this is probably the one that we do. Um, yeah, yeah, for so real. So, Natural Selection is a hybrid FPS RTS from 2012. Uh, I believe it's a it's a sequel since it's a two, and mm-hmm. I believe the original game idea came from a Half Life mod, which is pretty interesting. It's like one and of that was Natural Selection there. one. Natural Selection I, one. I'm not was sure. I think there was a mod, and then they made an official game, and then they made two. Okay. Um, I, I'm not sure, but uh. Yeah, so it's like a it's a multiplayer shooter um, for the most players. Uh, the way the game works is there's two sides. Uh, one team are Marines, and it plays very much like a typical FPS where you'll have you know rifles and shotguns and machine guns and things like that. And but the other team is an alien team, and there are a whole bunch of different aliens that they turn into. And I, I didn't actually play as them, so I don't know the different kinds, but it kind of feels like almost like left for dead in a way where like there's a bunch of different types of units that do different things and there's different powers to them. Like there's one, uh, like the general ones, like this little like creep that will kind of crawl around and just has to jump on people to get them and will like slash them with his talons. And there's another one that looks like a little hippo that will spit acid at people. And there's one that's a giant rhino that's basically like a, a tank for Left 4 Dead that will just come smashing in and stomp on people. And so the alien side is very different and plays very differently. But then on top of that, where it's like uh, the two teams are asymmetrical, where they do different things, each team also has a commander that will give orders and build structures like in an RTS. So uh, I actually was able to play commander a lot as the Marines. And what you get is you get this top-down view of the battlefield and you'll see all your units running around and you'll point out areas of interest and you can gain intel for your team and drop them supplies and build structures that are going to get them more powerful gear. And it it's just such a weird, fun concept that, uh, you know, you can play it for hours like we did. Yeah, I, okay, so for some background, Matt only played Marines because he enjoys playing bad FPSs, and I only played Aliens because I enjoy hating myself, Uh, and Aliens are so hard to play, it is crazy. I mean, unless you're used to, like, the mechanics of the Aliens, like Matt was saying, um, the Marines are Marines and have guns, and you can get upgraded guns. But um, as he was explaining, like the the aliens, you rather than upgrading guns, you upgrade life forms. But whenever you die, you go back to the base life form. And the base life form is uh, in natural selection two is uh, on the alien side is a skulk or a skulker or something like that. We call them skulks. But the skulks um, are I 
I have to imagine if if this is a Half Life mod, I have to imagine like they were based on like head crabs because oh, yeah, for they, sure. they are these like talony, spidery, um, like lizard monsters, and the whole shtick of them is that they have like a third of the health of a marine. And uh, the advantage they have over the Marines is not the damage they can do, um, which is pretty minimal, but it's their speed and the fact that they can wall climb. So not only can you like run up walls, you stick to walls, you can run on ceilings, you can stick on ceilings, and there's all of these crevices and tunnels and um, like you can get under the grates um, in the like military bases that you're crawling around and sneak up on the marines so the whole point of the skulks is to either kind of like zerg rush and have like your whole team's worth of skulks rush a group of marines you know like like you might see in a in a movie like aliens and as an aside uh this game is like unapologetically uh inspired by aliens like specifically the second the second movie in the alien franchise aliens um, there are space marines and there are essentially xenomorphs and you on the alien team you play by capitalizing on the same kind of like fear and um uh, what's the what's the phrase for it like not mystery but um keeping keeping the marines guessing like they have no idea where you are or they should have no idea where you are until it's too late so you're as a skulk you're like running up walls jumping off walls there's this mechanic where whenever you jump off of a wall you gain a little bit of speed and that stacks that speed stacks so you can keep bouncing off of walls until you're going like 10 times faster than a marine could ever go and you're crawling on the ceilings and whatnot and jumping on them and you feel like this crazy assassin who's like encountering marines they start shooting and then you scuttle off like beneath like beneath where the marines are like into the rocks they can't they can't get to and then you circle behind them flank them and like bite them in the bite them in the ass until they die um it's awesome um i had an excellent time playing the aliens for the last part of when we were playing um maybe for the last like three four hours of when we were playing that first day i had a quote-unquote great time um before then i had a good time because i was chilling with my buds but it was horrible playing these aliens because they're just so unconventional i just had never played anything like them and it was just kind of an unpleasant learning curve because the marines are balanced to be so powerful compared to these skulks which you play as for the most part uh of these matches uh, when you're on the alien team so when i first started playing i was just running up to the uh running up to the marines hoping that i could just like jump at them uh from the front um and and get some kills and it just never worked so i would just get killed like dozens of times and get like seven kills in a whole match when like all of the marines would have like 20 30 kills um but it wasn't until i uh did a little research and strategized with my other alien friends um and we found that like being super sneaky um doing strats like if you're the first alien running into a room with marines you go immediately to the ceiling to draw all the fire of the marines to the ceiling and then your other alien buddies scuttle on the on the floor and kill the marines as they're distracted so there's all this fun stuff you can do as the aliens and it's just so different than any other game i've ever played i've never like 
felt like a like spider scuttling along the walls um, in a like multiplayer shooter. It, it's just so weird. I, I really enjoyed it. Did you play Marines at all? I played Marines like twice, mm-hmm. um, maybe for two matches, and it was fun. Um, uh, it was. I mean, it was. I should say it was fine. Um, the game is kind of it's not super polished and it it's, feels pretty dated so when i was playing marines like it really to me felt like i was playing a really old not very uh a, an fps not up to the standards of modern fpss and coming off of you know a stupid amount of like valorant and rainbow six siege it didn't feel great to me to play as a marine although i know later in the game you can get cool stuff like jetpacks um like there's like a combo that your team the marines was doing that just yeah. annihilated us where you would have jetpacks which allows you to get up like on the ceilings where we where the aliens are able to climb um comboed with having flamethrowers so you have this huge arc of damage and it was just not not great to go against but the, i mean the marines seem fun um just to me i love i've always gravitated in games toward the like really fast um class in any like class-based shooter like in tf2 i always i always like playing the scout for instance so um yeah i i really liked playing the aliens and i i don't see myself when we play more um playing much more marines you see marines are cool uh i get what you're saying but it sounds kind of like you never got any of the gear because marines uh differ as the match goes on like you're saying with the jetpacks another cool thing you can do with those is you can be a really fast unit because you can just, if you just tap space bar, it activates it, but it will increase your speed and just kind of throw you through the air, which is another thing we were doing to you guys. Cause like early on, like you were saying, you guys can just scuttle at us really fast. And basically if a Marine doesn't kill an alien, when he first sees him, if it gets close, it's pretty much like he's dead. But as soon as you get the jetpack, you have a lot more options where if you see an alien and you start to miss, you can just fly backwards or fly up and get away and they can't really chase you anymore because if you're just jumping around the map uh an alien's not going to be able to really catch you because you can go about as fast as they can and another cool thing you can get on marines is they have that big mech suit did you ever see that oh yeah of course it did yeah you guys destroyed our bases because it's crazy <laughs> i i love that the, the those were so much fun like what was really cool is you can also get this item called a welder um where you can just repair things right so when you get in the mech Whenever you would take damage, you could just jump, jump out and fix it. And so you just, you're basically this walking tank with two like chained guns on your arm. And there's a different mech you can get that actually has rail guns. I don't think anybody ever used that, but that's just another option you have. But you basically just walk around. And as long as like, if you're by yourself, if you pick fights selectively, you can just always heal yourself. But if with your, if you're with a friend, you can just stand in front while somebody's just spamming you with the repair tool. So as you take damage, you're just going to get healed and you can just like start mowing things down. And another strategy I think we used once or twice on you when I realized I could do it is there, there's this uh, structure you can build as a Marine commander called a uh, robotics factory. And in that you can build these repair bots that can basically just like sit at your base and fix things. But you can also order those robots around like like a traditional unit in an RTS where you can just set a point and it will go to it. And anything within that radius, the robot will start to repair. 
So you can have a, if you micro well enough, you can have a robot follow a tank around. So you can give somebody like their own personal repair tool <laughs> or repair bot the entire time they're in the mech. And that's pretty cool. So I, I, I liked late games Marines a lot. Like uh, early game Marines do feel kind of, you know, not great, but a lot of the tools you get at the end, it's just such a difference. And I, I yeah, had a lot it- of fun playing them. I don't have a whole lot of experience with RTSs. Um, I've played a little bit of Warcraft, um, maybe a little bit of Starcraft. Played like Empire Earth and Age of Mythology um, and some Age of Empires when I was younger. But I never got super into them. So I don't know a whole lot uh, about like micro versus macro management of uh, units and the economies in the games and all of that. But um, I do know about Magic the Gathering, which has similar kinds of concepts um, about management and then like the the way a match goes uh, over a longer period of time. And the Marines seemed like they were more of a control type uh, faction, um, like you might see in like a control type deck in Magic that really ramps up towards the end where it might they might be kind of tanky in the beginning, but towards the end of the match, they just are pulling out these crazy tricks. Whereas the, uh, the aliens are, I don't know much about Starcraft, but they seem a lot like the Zerg. Like you have to like infect areas with your goop and you can build goopy alien critters on those to do stuff for you. Similar to like your repair bot. Um, you can have all sorts of creatures that can heal you, have creatures that can, I think like repair broken, uh, like eggs, to, to, in order to spawn, the person who's playing the alien commander has to spawn these like creepy looking egg sacks for um, dead aliens to spawn in uh, after they die. And um, the way that aliens play seems a lot similar to, uh, or very similar to like uh, aggro decks in, in Magic the Gathering, where like you can, aliens can basically win within the first like five minutes of a match if they just rush to the other side of the other side of the map um, where the Marine base is and just eat, eat their, eat their base like right off the get go. I think we won one match like that. Yeah. It was over in like five minutes. (laughs) Yeah. And that's not particularly fun, but it shows that like, I don't think the Marines could do that. Um, I, I just don't think they're, I don't think they're fast enough to like win that fast. Um, because the other thing about the aliens is that they can get across the map. Um, so if they get across the map way faster than uh, the Marines. So if the Marines tried something like that, where let's say all the aliens rushed down one side of the map at the very beginning of the match and the Marines rushed down the other right to the right to the alien base and no one was there to protect it, the aliens could get right back to their base in like five seconds. Like there's so many little uh tunnels and you know side alleys that you can get you can get through to uh get back wherever you need to go super fast so like rotating around the map is not a problem for aliens where it's more troublesome for marines because they can't fit in the in the same tunnels that the aliens can so they just play completely different um and that that's a cool part about it i mean that is this what asymmetrical multiplayer isn't that kind of the genre that natural selection 2 is a part of um yeah, I think so. I've I've mostly seen asymmetrical multiplayer refer to like games where y- you take a turn and leave. Um but I think that I mean that still feels like it kind of fits where like each person's playing differently. I don't know. I don't, I I, th- I think it is the genre. I was just watching I I name dropped them at the beginning of the podcast, but I was just watching 
uh, this no clip documentary on YouTube that released today um, on Arcane Studios, and they this is the, st- the studio that did Dishonored and um, Prey, and I forget what they did before that. Oh, Dark Messiah, um, that like janky fantasy Source Engine game, uh, and a game that they did after Dark Messiah that never was released. It was this big fiasco. It was called The Crossing. Have you heard of it? Nope. It's, uh, I think it was like the first asymmetrical multiplayer game, because I think they use this phrase in the documentary, um, where it was a game that had like a Dark Souls mechanic, where it was like a first-person shooter RPG, where you could turn on a setting and an, uh, a, a person online could come and possess a like an enemy in your single-player campaign and to make things interesting. So that, that seems like the ki- the same kind of thing where like your team is entirely different than what the enemy's team is going to be because they're just an entirely different type of unit. Like it's not like in Valorant or Counter-Strike where each team is comprised of the same kinds of units. Like you're just a bunch of army men smashing your faces against each other. Like you're an entirely different species of thing that plays completely different if you're on one team versus the other, which you don't really see in any other... Uh, you don't really see in any other like multiplayer game. Yeah, um, it's like Evolve. <laughs> Evolve's asymmetric. It's like Evolve. So did you did you play Evolve? Yeah, I I, I was pretty hyped for it. Um, it's funny. It's like that game is so bizarre because the hype leading up to Evolve was huge. It was made by the uh, the people that made Left 4 Dead originally. You know, so oh, it like, was like it was similar to like uh, how. The Call of Duty team split off from Infinity Ward and moved to, or I think that's where they split off from, and moved to make a new studio to make uh, Titanfall. That same kind of thing, like yeah, kind of. I I, I don't know. Like I feel like they the Turtle Rock team. I don't know if they were, were ever officially part of Valve. I think they just worked with them with Left 4 Dead. I think that's their arrangement. Um, so they didn't leave on bad terms. Like I know the Infinity Ward people did, but uh. Yeah, it was like this studio that made this really well-received game that everybody loves is going and making a game that looks like that, but 10 times better, you know? Like, Evolve looked amazing when it was first coming out because you're, like, four different heroes with, like, instead of it just being, like, Left 4 Dead where there's just different types of, like, guns and melee weapons and maybe, like, utility items, you have these, like... It was like a hero... It was, like, at the start of the hero shooter wave where... Every hero is different. They all do different things. And your objective is one player is this giant monster and you just hunt them the whole time. And you, uh, the monster gets progressively stronger as it goes on. So you have to try to like, like in the beginning of the game, the hunters try to hunt it down and the monster has to run away. But eventually there's a point where it like tips over and the monster becomes more powerful. So there's this like, it's like a race to, for the hunters to finish off it fast and the monster has to survive the whole time. Um, and it looked really cool, but for whatever reason, it just didn't stick with a bunch of people. Like I, I, I bought it uh, for sixty bucks back when I used to like never buy games for full price, and I played ten hours and moved on. <laughs> like, uh, hate to see, hate to see it. Yeah, dude, it was just weird. It was, and it was like that wasn't just me. It was like everybody. The game, uh, its peak numbers were pretty good, like when it first came out, and then it just dropped. And then even when the game went free to play, nobody cared. Nobody came back. Um, so, yeah, it's just so strange. Um, and what's really funny is uh, our friend Sean in our Discord, he was, like, really into the Evolve competitive scene. Like, he's actually made money off of playing Evolve. 
<laughs> like, I didn't he, know that. Yeah, like Sean, that was like the I think one of the first games he got really into uh, competitively, and he was like one of the his team was like one of like the world's best teams, basically. Like he was up there at the top of the scene. Um, yeah, I think I think he said well because uh, Sean was playing our friend Sean, friend of the show, um, who we want to have on the show at some point. Um, because he is a world famous esports player, as we're just describing. Uh, but he was playing Alien uh, a bunch when we were playing Natural Selection two over the weekend, and he, I think he was saying he was in like the top five in the world. Yeah, yeah, it was weird because there's just like in our Discord, there's a couple people that were really, really into Evolve, um, and so it's fun to tell them Evolve's a dead game and get a reaction <laughs> out of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I never, I never played it. I did play uh, the Left 4 Dead two and Left 4 Dead one. I don't, did Left 4 Dead one have multiplayer where you played as the zombies? I know Left 4 Dead two did. Yeah, they both. But I had actually versus mode. I thought that Evolve was that kind of thing where there was a whole team of aliens. Like I thought it was just like exactly like Natural Selection two, where there's a team of aliens and a team of uh, uh, Marines of about equal size. But it's just one person playing monster, and then a whole team of like space marines or whoever. Yeah, fighting the monster. Four v one. That's the whole game. Wow, yeah. interesting. Yeah, I, uh, I, I totally, totally missed it. Um, at the time, I don't know what was big at the time, but um, I mean, I played a lot of Left 4 Dead, Left 4 Dead Two. Maybe I was just completely sated by that um, because I, I really missed that game. Um, speaking of, I mean, you set up this um, private server for our uh, when we played natural selection two over the weekend you even made like a like a discord bot that can like start and stop the server and check the status of it which uh it's pretty cool but uh i was hoping we could we could even set up a uh left for dead server i know oh, some, already some did in the discord wanted to oh hell yeah dude yeah <laughs> yeah tell me tell me tell me more about so it sounds like over the past few days uh ppr which of course stands for pre-podcast recording uh we were talking about uh you were adding you said I forget the phrase you used, but basically you said that you've been doing some crazy shit uh, on your, with your work with setting up private servers. Oh yeah. So when I, so I had this idea a long time ago, um, like back, what, uh, like last September or something, um, we made a Minecraft server and like, uh, it's a kind of confusing to get set up, but once you have it, it's it's not hard to manage. But the thing that sucks about it is I set it up on a like a cloud server, right? On like AWS, and you pay by the hour that the server's on. So like we would have this server and we'd play on it for like two hours a day, and then everybody stopped playing besides a few people, and I left it on all day, and it was costing me like twenty bucks a month, which isn't like a lot. But at the same time, it's kind of like a waste of money, you know? Yeah, it's like a WoW subscription. Yeah, exactly. Uh, for something I'm not even playing that I, I set up for my friends and I'm done playing and they're still on it. So, and it's like Minecraft, you know? So it's not like it, like the world is on that server. So you can't just like take it away. Um, so I had this idea where I was like, okay, like I'm just going to turn it off and I'll turn it on for them whenever they want to uh, play on it. But that was kind of like inconvenient because. I would have to like log into this console and turn it on. It's just a lot of steps. And if I'm not on my home computer, then I can't do it. So it, it wasn't convenient. So I had this idea of like, maybe there's a way I can make something where I can remotely start and stop it. And then I never did it because I didn't really care. 
And when we started playing Natural Selection this week, I was like, oh, I'll make another server. I know how to do that. And then I got that idea again. So uh, what I wrote was like a, a bot that works on Discord. And it just has a way where it can sync up to uh, any server that's on Amazon. And you can just send it a command like server status, natural selection. And it will tell you if it's on, it's off, it's IP, whatever. And you can start it, stop it. Um, I made it work for Minecraft. Uh, and then <laughs> I, for whatever reason, for this project that like impacts pretty much nothing, because uh, it's like two servers, I was like, I'm going to make this really robust and do whatever I want. So now what I'm trying to do is grow it to a point where it's like a server orchestrator. And the end goal is that you can type in a game, a platform, and uh, it's going to make a server for you. And then you can just stop and start it whenever. Um, so you're telling me I could type in Kangaroo Jack, the video game based on the movie, for the Nintendo GameCube. No, Press no. enter and it'll spin up a... Okay. okay if only. Cool Any, anything cool with like in like a list of like stuff where there's dedicated servers, right? So it's like... Okay. If you want to play like a TF2 server, you can be like TF2 on uh, Google and then create and it will start it. And then if you don't use it for a while, it will just turn it off automatically. And if you ever want to play it again, you just start it up and it'll be there. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's cool. Because I what's nice is I wrote something for just for natural selection and then I added Minecraft to it. And then I added a Left 4 Dead server like we were just saying. And now I just have this thing that even if I never get to that point where I want it to be, I can use it to just make a server for anything because I don't have to worry about it costing me a bunch of money. It's like using a cloud server for anything like that is really cheap because you're only using it for like maybe, you know, like 12 hours and per hour it's like seven cents to run, you know? So it's like dirt cheap. It's just over time it adds up. But if you have it off when you're not using it, it's not a huge deal. That's super cool. That's super cool. Um, and if uh, if our time playing Natural Selection 2 is anything to judge by, I would love to get into some more just like like old janky games um, with the dudes. And it's such a cool opportunity to like tweak things if we wanted to. Um, like it gives you that gives you that power to do like install dumb mods if we if we if you so chose. Yeah. Or even like, did you play The Forest with us? No, I never did. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's a lot of weird survival games that have dedicated server software. And what's cool is like you can just that way you don't have to worry about like hosting on like a peer-to-peer connection, which can be kind of like garbage. It's just nice to have if you're picking up some weird game and has a server and it's like, oh, let's get into this, make our own thing. Like we could make our own um what was that weird Valve World War Two game? Oh, a day of defeat. Yeah. Like you just have a day of defeat server. Like why not? <laughs> Yeah, uh, for some background, I feel like I brought this up on the podcast before, but Matt and I, um, this is the, the, the Day Defeat story was with you, right? No, I've actually never played Day Defeat. Oh, okay. Well, for some personal August lore, uh, I used to be uh, pretty into Day Defeat Source, um, which is a source. I think it started out as a source mod, then like Valve acquired it, similar to how they acquired Left 4 Dead. Uh, update our Discord corrections channel, if I'm wrong there. But um, also... Side note, we did get our first correction uh, for the podcast, and our first correction was correcting something wrong, Matt said. So that's wonderful. But um, yeah, I used to play a bunch of Dave Defeat Source, and I played on this uh, Australian server um, with these Australian dudes who 
lived in Australia. And I was playing with them once and they all kept slinging around this, uh, I don't, I don't remember what the word was, but there was some sort of insult that they, uh, kept saying to each other. And because I was, I, you know, uh, you might not be able to tell, but I am not Australian. I live in Chicago, Illinois. Um, I started, I, I think just once I used this word that, uh, they were saying to each other, uh, on this server. Um, I used that word to uh, describe one of them and was kicked off of the server, um, kicked out of the forums for that server, and I'm very sorry about it. So uh, that's my day of defeat story. Do you think you're still banned? Oh, I know I'm still banned. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they were pretty serious about it. I have no idea what I said. I honestly don't remember. Um, I think it was like some sort of like insult against like a uh, like an uh, an army. There was like some, it was some sort of like Australian military slang uh, that I that I used improperly. But uh, does it refer to the time me. that the Australians lost to a pack of emus? Um, you know, Matt, it might have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's you know my Dave defeat story. But I I love Dave defeat. Um, I really like um, source games in general. But um, that would be a fun game to play um, to get back into. Yeah, dude, let's just play all the dead games. Why not? Yeah, why not? Why not? You know, um, speaking of uh, dead games, um, totally kidding. Uh, Dane was saying that he set up a TF2 uh, private server that I think he's had a lot of like action on. Like a lot of people have connected to it and been playing on it. And I think he has like some sort of like set of settings slash mods that make it like a pure TF2 experience. Um, I'd be really interested to hear hear what Dane has to say um, about his experience with his private server. I don't know if he set it up himself or what, but um, I've seen him posting about it a bunch. Yeah, it sounds cool. Um, I think I was talking to him about it the other day, and it's basically just a server that is like casual plus is what I've been kind of calling it. It's like casual mode, but there's no random crits, no random spread. Um, some of the better things that feel like they're better for the game that are from the competitive side that aren't in standard casual. Uh, so that's kind of what a server is. I think beyond that, it's pretty vanilla. There's not a lot of weird stuff on it. Pretty straightforward. Did we already talk about this in the podcast? I feel like we might've, I listened to for a disclaimer. I do listen to all of our podcasts, but I think we I talked about it last memory. week when he was on. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I just like, I'd like to hear more about it. What is it? What his experience is with it? Or if he has other plans for crazy TF2 private server stuff. Um, because I remember during my time with TF2, um, some of my best memories were spent on private servers that had like really weird maps installed. Like I would just like hang out with people and trade hats for many dozens of hours in high school on these like very janky, dumb maps that were made for trading. But uh, yeah, private servers, that's something you don't get in console gaming at all, um, or like in a very limited capacity you do. And as a new PC um game enthusiast um it's cool it's a cool thing about pc gaming a cool facet a cool value cool dying part of pc gaming it's really sad less games are having support for it it's really just valve games and like weird independent survival games beyond that most people don't make software for it yeah i wonder why that is i mean i guess i know why that is because they're these companies want to be able to control their IP indefinitely and don't want people um, setting up versions of the game that 
the maker of the game doesn't want them to. Um, yeah, that is a shame. Yeah, I think it's because I think dedicated servers died because of Dota. That's my theory. Oh, because uh, this company uh, Blizzard was it? Was it Blizzard that? Uh, yeah, it was a Warcraft because Dota was a was a Warcraft mod, and then Valve swooped up and made Dota two or financed it or whatever. Yeah, because so, it, it was just a mod. So they bought, they hired the guy that made the mod to make an official, you know, quote unquote official version, uh, Dota two, which I think is different. I don't know. I haven't really, I've never played the original. But that was like a huge loss because, you know, then Blizzard comes and tries to make their own MOBA, Heroes of the Storm, which is still around, but it's not, you know, on the level of League or Dota 2. Um, so, yeah, it's like, why why I'll let people make weird custom game modes and, like, pull a bunch of business away? Like, I think it's a bad way to think about it because it's innovation. Like, uh, think about all the good things that come out of innovation, like Auto Chess. We were talking about that last week. That's a mod. That couldn't exist if people didn't have, like ways to host custom versions of the game but uh yeah that coincidentally was that was a dota 2 mod right yeah (laughs) which is pretty funny um but what's cool uh well not cool i don't know why i use that what sucks about um what blizzard's doing now is uh did you hear that overwatch a while back added custom game modes and uh like custom mode creation uh, yeah, I heard something about that, but I uh, I don't know anything about it. Yeah, it's basically, the, it's really robust. You can do a lot of cool things. It lets you just tweak with the engine in a lot of ways. And I think most recently they added like uh, if and else statements, which lets you do a whole lot of weird things. Like somebody made uh, a Dr. Octopus, like straight out of the Spider-Man 2 movie uh, mod oh. for... Um, What's her name? Uh, was Widow. It the, was it the Widowmaker? Yeah, I yeah. saw that. Yeah. I saw that. So you can do a lot of cool stuff with it. Uh, but what's funny is... There's a disclaimer that anything you make in the game is Blizzard's. So yeah, if any yeah, sort of really that. cool mode comes out, that IP belongs to Blizzard. So they're not going to have another uh, Dota mistake. And I Come thought on. that was pretty funny that they would have a disclaimer like that or something. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you lose out on tens of millions of dollars, you uh, you write the fine print that uh, prevents you from losing tens of millions of dollars on people just swooping up uh, custom game modes in your game. Um, that's so weird. The internet, the internet has created so many weird things. Online gaming was a mistake. Um, but enough about gaming. (laughs) Gaming. What are we? Gamers? Uh, Matt, speaking of, uh, war, speaking of war, you know, like, like featured in famously in Warcraft. Um, let's talk about the war for, Bella Swan's heart in the original Twilight film from I think I want to say 2008. Uh, I really like the original Twilight film. Uh, and I will say, I will go on the record and say that the worlds in all of cinema, in the cinema on planet Earth, the best baseball scene in any movie is in Twilight. I don't know. Maybe of a not baseball movie, but yeah, it's pretty good. Matt, name a better baseball scene in any movie. I, I don't know. I liked a lot of those like late 90s, early 2000s baseball movies. I can't remember their names, yeah. but I thought they were pretty good. But no, no, Matt, none of them reached the... Like Angels the, in the Outfields, dude? You remember that? 
there's not one individual scene in Angels in the Outfield <laughs> no. that touches the climactic highs of the Twilight baseball scene. What are you talking the about? The music, the super massive black hole, like the song, and then the, like the, the 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 bad guy vampires come up with their chests out of their shirts, you know, and they start to like almost play baseball. Dude, it's just like the Twilight baseball scene. That is a chef's kiss moment in cinematic history. I don't know. I feel like that baseball scene. Uh, I was watching it and I was like, wow, whoever, uh, I guess, choreographed and like did the um, the framing for the scene must have just watched, uh, you know, Smash Mouse all-star music video. That's what oh I was God. getting the entire time. <laughs> Dude, okay. So Matt, Matt's famously bad takes aside. Um, what else? Uh, what are your thoughts on Twilight? Uh, well, I liked the movie back in the day. Um, I watched it like... See, what's what's funny about Twilight is this is like, I, I don't know if it's like only big for our generation, but we were in high school and it was big, you know, and like that mm-hmm. it was like targeting our age group. Um, and I watched the movie back then because I didn't want to be just one of those people or one of those guys that was like, yeah, Twilight sucks. A bunch of girl stuff. I was like, I mean, I'll watch the movie. Why not? Yeah. Uh, Twilight. Uh, yeah. I play Guitar Hero. Yeah, exactly. I- <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, I was like, I mean, I hang out with a bunch of girls. I'll watch this stupid movie. I remember liking it back then. Um, I watched it now and I like it a little less. Like, it's not unwatchable. Um, I just, I more don't like it because I I had two big issues with it. Uh, One, just the whole general concept uh, of, or just the characters. I really don't like Bella. Like, well, yeah. Yeah. Like, I, it's just like, it's like, so like, oh, quick love teen stuff. It's like, and that, and that's, that's the source material. The movie can't do anything with that. Um, that's just dumb teenager stuff. So I can look past that. But I think the thing I really didn't like about it is the direction they gave for the vampires to show that they're hungry, like their facial oh, expressions. The- <laughs> like, <laughs> they just look like overwhelmingly horny. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. Like, okay. So that's the thing. It's different every time. So like the first scene where uh you were Bella and uh Edward uh, uh I guess maybe not meet but are in close proximity oh, like when, when she's at the at the biology at science class yeah in biology yeah, when they're walking to biology and there's a conveniently placed fan so like the uh, Bella's scent is flowing towards her and her hair is blowing in the wind and then Edward's sitting there looking kind of brooding and she goes and sits down and like I know it's like part of the story. It's like the 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 reason he's acting all weird is because he's really hungry, and Edward's a vampire that part of the family that only drinks the blood of animals. And when they're hungry, it's hard to resist the blood of humans. And she had a really good scent, and blah blah blah. But the facial expression, it looked like he was like shitting his pants, like <laughs> like he just looks so it, it, like the direction for that looks so weird. And what's weird is like he. They they have other vampires in the movie that have that expression of looking hungry, and they just look like they look like a wolf, like snarling, right? But he didn't look like that. He looked like, like a he horny wolf. No, he didn't even look horny. Just like like super uncomfortable, <laughs> like he was sitting in his own shit. Like it was just so bizarre. <laughs> and 
and I know that, and I don't know why they directed him to do that because like later on, there's parts where, what's that guy's name? The actor, Robert Pattinson. Is that it? Robert Pattinson, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He can look intimidating. They had like the scene where Bella's in the parking lot and there's like a bunch of drunk guys coming up and messing with her and he comes out of nowhere with a car. He looks he pissed. He zooms in, in his Volvo. Yeah. He look he looks pissed <laughs> off when he gets out. He looks pissed off and angry. And like he can he can do the vampire predator look. Like that's an expression he can make on his face. But for whatever reason, the director decided to tell him to look like he like shot himself in that biology scene. And they do it again with um there's the vampire with the short hair. You know, who's that? Alice? Is that her name? Alice, yeah. Yeah. What's her She's the um, one who can see in the future. Yeah, and then her boyfriend's name is Jasper. Jasper, yeah, yeah. So yeah. you know, for for anyone who was living under a guitar hero scented rock in two thousand eight, uh the main cast, we got Jasper, the boyfriend of Alice, who Alice can see the future. Jasper can change people's moods or something. Carlisle is their vampire dad. He's a dentist or something, and he, <laughs> he has medical powers. Uh, Renezme is the mom, and she's nice. And uh, Edward is the sexy one, and his power is being sexy, I guess. Um, and yeah, there's more. I mean, they're not super important, but like Jasper. <laughs> uh, the the other time is like when there's like a scene where Bella goes to their house for dinner, um, and Jasper looks at her like. He is like, you know, also shitting his pants. And oh, dude, he's huffing and puffing. He's like, <laughs> yeah, it's just it, the, the, the faces are so uncomfortable. Also, <laughs> like, I don't know. They're, they must have had a director to, that told them to over um, overdo their facial reactions to things. Because, like, there's parts where B- Bella looks like she's, like, just coming the entire time, dude. Whenever she's near <laughs> Edward, she's just like... She's just like having like a never ending orgasm. She's like biting her lip and like breathing and like looking up and down. And it's like, you're walking down the fucking street. What? <laughs> like, why is well, this? That's the, that's the whole shtick of the movie. The whole shtick is that like teens want a bone and these teens want a bone extra hard because they're it, yeah, it va- just, vampires it, and there's some sort of like magical magnetism between them. That's never really explained. And like, you don't really care because you're not really here for the lore. You're here for the sexy vampires. No, I, I'm just, I'm just saying it just felt like they, they, they overdid it. Like it felt like comical at points with, with the direction they had for certain things. Um, everything else was good though. It's totally watchable. It's really enjoyable. Um, did you ever read the book? No. Okay, because, I mean, I don't know. I, I Something that I, I do know is, like, just from, like, context of being in high school, there's, like, Team Edward and Team Jacob. Was that the thing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I imagine that the two fight over Bella at some point because uh, yes, I never saw do. anything past the, the first movie. Um, well, that's okay, man. Next week we can talk about New Nope, Moon. nope, nope. <laughs> um, but uh, what I was wondering was um, all the other movies are – the twilight saga and this one's just mm-hmm. twilight and i imagine when what's the lady who wrote this stephanie meyer is that it oh yes that is her name yeah i was wondering like if in the first book if jacob's even like if she even knew jacob was going to be a love interest because he plays like no role in this movie um 
And I felt like they added him in a couple points to like be like hinting at like, oh yeah, Jacob's going to be a big deal in the future. Like there's this weird scene with him at the end of the movie, like right before prom, he comes out of the middle of nowhere and he's not even going to prom because he doesn't go to the school. And he just goes up to Bella and says, hey, my uh, dad paid me 20 bucks to say you should break up with your boyfriend. Like, <laughs> and it's just like, it's just so out there and it has nothing to do with anything else. Like it's going to do with something in the future because, you know, Jacob is going to try to win her heart or something. I don't know how that plays out, but this entire movie is like very Bella and Edward. And I wasn't sure if the first book made Jacob a big deal or not, but it seemed like the stuff he was in, in this kind of felt forced a tad. Yeah. I have no idea because I did not read the book. Um, but, uh, I can tell you that the second movie is like almost entirely about Jacob. Um, so like the first one sets up this, you know, historic, legendary, beautiful, lustful romance between Edward, the like 400 year old vampire and Bella, the like 16 year old girl and seventeen. Uh, the second, se- okay. Seven, and sorry, he's 17. only like 90 something dude. Calm down. Okay. Okay, first of all, who cares? Second of all, uh, the second movie is like they break up for some dumb reason and then Bella and Jacob are like lusting after each other for the whole the whole movie. And then, you know, Edward comes back and then that's really when Team Edward versus Team Jacob really ramps up. Um, I personally am a Team Edward, a member of Team Edward, proud uh, card carrying member of Team Edward. Uh, I, I I really like Robert Pattinson, honestly. Um, he's going to be in the new uh, Christopher Nolan film Tenet, which uh, it looks looks really cool. His role seems cool. Um, I really liked him in The Lighthouse, which came out last year, um, and was an awesome kind of like weird horror movie. I guess you could call it a horror movie. Um, I think he's a really interesting actor. I'm very excited to see him be Batman. And there's just been so much hype around robert pattinson that's what got me interested in uh re-watching twilight recently because that was like his first big movie um i think the movie he did right before twilight he played like salvador dali um and then i think he was on like a lifetime channel movie before that something like that but um yeah i i really liked i really liked twilight i love it because the movie is like unbelievably moody and stylish even if it's not that cool like it just goes for these weird shots it like it feels like a movie that someone really excited about being a film director made like there's all these they're like they they spend way too much effort in on all of their shots like moving the camera around like there's a shot where like bella is like driving down the road and they like put the camera like on the ground on the road and like have the camera like a whip as she's uh like driving down the road but like really all she's doing is driving a truck across a bridge and it's not i don't think it, it was that important of a scene um and then of course there's the baseball scene which is really in my opinion the best part of the entire franchise um but it's just so such an odd movie such a like time capsule of like the hotness of 2008 um and it has that nostalgia for for me personally but even removing removing that nostalgia it's just such a it's such a mood you know it's like 
the tone of the movie, like the visual tone, everything is dark. Um, it's like they put on like a dark blue filter, like a like a like a dark blue purpley filter on every shot. So everything is everything is, I don't know, just kind of morose. And uh, no, dude, that's the, just what it looks like up here. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, there was a few parts of the movie that I thought might have been filmed in Seattle, like just reminded me of places that I've been. In, well, in Seattle, the so. town is actually uh, just a little. Not a little, a decent ways uh, west of Seattle. There's, Ma- cool. I think it's Mount Olympia. Um, the town Forks is a real town, and it's right up there. Oh well, I had no idea it was a real town. Um, yeah. See, one thing I really like about the movie is that it's like, as a movie, as someone who has never read the book, I I felt that it paid a lot of respect to its. I guess it's source material, but also just the lore of Twilight. Like all the characters might not have seemed particularly particularly important because also there was another member of the vampire family who I, I think has like one line in the movie. I just remembered his name is Emmett, and uh, his name is Emmett, and I think his power is being buff. I don't I don't really know. Um, all the vampires have like yeah, powers, he's vampire Chad. Yeah, he's vampire Chad. He has more than a couple um, lines, but yeah, he's not a huge role. He's like he's background ensemble, if you will. Yeah, I just think that all of the characters in the movie, even if none of them or even if a lot of them are pretty inconsequential, especially in this first movie, you know, as the series goes on, they have a lot more significance. Um, but all of the characters are so well defined and uh I I think like visually really well represented. Like they all are so different. All the vampires are so different. And um, I don't know. The movie just sticks out to me as a like a surprisingly well-made movie that I wanted to laugh at, uh, like ironically and enjoy that way. But I found myself actually being into because I think it, it, it took itself so seriously, like so seriously like there's that shot matt where during the baseball scene i know i keep bringing up the baseball scene but i just think it's so fun um there's the shot where the bad guys interrupt the the cullen family the vampire family's game of baseball and they're like their chests are bared out and they're walking up to the cullen family and the way they got that shot i found out was they like they had the actors on like those treadmills, not treadmills, but those like walkways at airports, you know, that like you can stand on to go a little faster. They had the actors walk on those. So it seemed like they were moving unnaturally fast um, as the camera was right in their face. And it's stuff like that, that I think just elevates the movie to a point where it's pulpy and just kind of a guilty pleasure because it is just like sexy vampires playing baseball and falling in love with humans. But it's also got this like pizzazz to it that I feel like movies like um, like I, I like the Divergent series, other like young adult uh, young adult novel adaptation like film adaptations like Percy Jackson and the Olympians, for instance, like not a horrible movie, but doesn't have that just like almost like artsy like like art house vibe to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I like. I th- and that's probably why it's so enjoyable. It's like, it's totally easy for, especially at the time where Twilight was everything. 
you could have made like the shittiest movie and you would have made so much money off of it. But exactly, it's they like could a movie just phoned it in. Yeah, it's a movie that was gonna get made, but they gave it to somebody that cared and wanted to do a really good job with it, and they did. Um, besides the facial expression, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, the acting is not a strong suit of the movie. I think Robert Pattinson is an excellent actor today, but I mean, in Twilight, I mean, he's like stone faced and just like kind of boring. Um, uh, Bella, uh, played by uh, Kristen Stewart, who I think is also today an excellent actress, um, kind of boring in this movie. Um, Anna Kendrick is in the movie. I really like her. I thought she was good. <laughs> She's like the the, the ditzy best friend. Um, but yeah, the acting is not the strong suit of the movie. It's just like the characters feel like they're straight out of like a comic book almost. Like they're just like the the way they look just screams how they act. Like you don't you can just look at like any of those vampires and you're like, oh, he's the oh he's the strong one. He's the Chad. He's the Chad vampire. Yeah. Like, oh, and then Carlisle. His, his girlfriend. Oh, he's the wealthy benefactor of these of this vampire family, obviously. Yeah, and the the Chad's uh, Chad vampire's girlfriend is like the Stacy vampire. And then the Jasper and Alice are the artsy, like, you know. Exactly. Yeah. It's just so good. Like, ugh. The dad looks like a dad. I... The mom looks like a mom. They all fit. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it's just, okay. And I, you know, I was jokingly saying we should watch New Moon, but I did go ahead and watch New Moon. Also. Oh, my God. <laughs> Is it good? I, I heard the other movies fell off. Um, okay, that's the thing, Matt. So what you were saying is like, Twilight is a movie that was going to get made, but they handed it to someone who had this like artistic vision, this like weird, stylish, moody vision, and they just went for it. They shot for the moon and landed among the uh, shiny vampires. But New Moon is a movie with an entirely different director. They got rid of the director of the first of the first movie, gave it to someone else, gave it a huge budget. Like another cool thing about the first Twilight film is it's relatively low budget for what it is. Um, like has a much smaller budget. I don't know what it is off the top of my head, but had a much smaller budget than um, all of the sequels, um, even though, you know, it started all of them. But the other ones I feel, um, particularly New Moon, I've watched it most recently. I'm not going to say they phone it in, but they don't have anywhere near that level of pizzazz in their way. They don't have that visual flair. They don't have the moodiness. And instead, the moodiness is not with the way the camera captures all of these like larger-than-life characters. It's just left up to the characters. Like I feel like the it did the thing where it relied on people going into the movie already knowing these, like who, like who Edward and Jacob and you know Bella and all of those people were. So like you feel like whenever any of these characters like enters the screen you feel like there's like room for applause for like oh yeah jacob's friends are here wow and like you know all the teenage girls or the tween age girls in the audience like <laughs> go wild and like the movie gives them that time it's just like it feels like mm. more self-indulgent in a in, in a different way than the first movie is self-indulgent um where it's like more self-indulgent in the in the source material versus just like completely going bananas with the way each shot is constructed in the first movie you know as goofy as it is but that's that's part of it it's like the the charm of like desperate housewives um is like how i think about uh twilight where it's this like melodrama the first one is this like juicy juicy melodrama where like there's this there's like a scene where like 
Edward is in the the lunchroom, the cafeteria with with Bella, and Bella's apple falls off of her, uh, falls off of her 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 tray, and Edward like catches it like by kicking it up on his foot and like kicking it back up into his hands, and he like presents it to her, and like each shot in that sequence is just like like a like an action movie. It's something out of like Spider Man. In fact, it reminded me a lot of the scene in Spider Man where Tobey Maguire catches all of Mary Jane's. Yeah, yeah, it actually uh, kind of is. That's funny. And it just has that like weirdness. I don't know. It, it it's a lot more. Twilight the first movie is a lot more fun. Whereas I guess if you're a fan of the franchise, New Moon is cool. Um, there are some cool characters. Like there's like there's a vampire Illuminati introduced in the second movie that uh, is pretty fun. Where like if you want to die as a vampire, you have to go and like ask permission to get killed uh, by the Volturi, who are the, who are these like Italian Illuminati vampires who like will rip your head off for you. Um, there's some cool parts in the in the second movie, but it does not have that just like dripping with like hot topic angst that the first movie has. Which <laughs> hot is topic angst. Yeah, it's like ugh, oh my god, it's like basically like Twilight. So Twilight New Moon are like have you Matt have you seen Freaky Friday starring Lindsay Lohan and Jamie Jamie Lee Curtis? Uh yeah, dude, Freaky Friday is great. I agree, Freaky Friday is great. Um basically the first Twilight movie is like how Jamie Lee Curtis acts as a teenager where she's like dressing in like plaid, like she's like the singer for a ska band who just got like a $3000 gift card to Hot Topic. <laughs> and the second movie new moon is like the boring drab jamie lee curtis when she's just like a mom who's in a mom body who's you know you know tired by the the the, the trials and tribulations of motherhood you know just kind of kind of boring but you love her because she's jamie lee curtis and she was you know she's an icon of of horror film uh star having starred in the halloween franchise um as well as Freaky Friday. Wait, what? Um, really? Yeah, yeah. Dude, Dude, Jamie Lee Curtis is a gem. I love the like Halloween. Wait, we're, sorry, I'm thinking of something different. That's my bad. I was thinking of Halloween Town. Um, I knew you were thinking of Halloween Town. <laughs> Halloween Town's so good, dude. Halloween Town. Okay, Halloween Town was good. I rewatched it recently when I actually. I watched the third. So last October, I watched a horror movie every day. I watched Halloween Town Three: Calabar's Revenge. Calabar's Revenge, dude. <laughs> yes, that's not that good. Not yeah, that good. no. Halloween was... Town. The first one's really good. The second one, I think, is also good. Right? I think three. It felt. Didn't they like recast a bunch of people, and it was just like the whole production was just like different, right? Like it didn't feel like it was the same people that made it. Halloween Town Three made me think that all of the Halloween Town movies were absolute garbage because that movie sucked. Um, so I have a feeling that nostalgia is clouding your eyes. Nah, when dude. Thinking about Halloween Town, um, you know, maybe we could, that'll be a movie for the, for a future pod. You know, I would I'd be interested in revisiting some dumb Disney Channel original. Well, since uh, we're movies. actually recording our podcast this year, we can uh, actually do a good October celebration because horror is both of ours. Uh, I think it's both of ours favorite genre. Um, it's absolutely mine. Yeah, I love I love horror movies. So we'll we'll have to do a whole thing for October. Um, you know, I, I we should I mean we should we can do that sooner rather than later because I actually originally Dane started coming on the podcast like he came the first time because i was tweeting out some hot takes about 
horror movies and he was uh, responding to them. And then we started talking about horror movies together and that allowed us to reconnect. So I think he's, I, I gave him a list of horror movies to watch that I liked and he watched all of them. So I, I think Dane would probably also be interested in talking about some horror movies. That'd be cool. Soon. See, my uh, bad takes are in full force when I watch horror movies because I think the best horror movie is a divisive horror movie where like there's just some like, well, I mean, even the ones you would say are universally good aren't like, I bet there's a lot of people that don't like Midsummer, Right. Um, yeah. And so I, I think like what's fun about horror movies is there's just like these weird things that you can latch onto that make you really like the movie. Like I really liked, um, the, the Netflix, the early Netflix horror movies, uh, VHS and VHS two. Did you ever see those? Mm -hmm. Those are some of my favorite man. And they're not, they're not super great, but like, I love them. I could watch them. I've watched them like, you know, dozens of times. So I could totally go back and watch those all over again, along with a whole bunch of other ones. I have a whole list on my phone called spooky stories. Um, (laughs) (laughs) that's what I call horror movies. Good stuff. Yeah, VHS has some pretty scary parts. The sequel, I think I've seen the first. I think I've seen all three of them. I think there's three. Third one's not very good. First two are great. Um, The second one has some really cool stuff too. I I recall there's like a there's a really cool segment. So so VHS for anyone uh, who hasn't seen them is the series of films about like people finding like a cache of VHS tapes and they watch all of them and each VHS tape has like a spooky story um, in it that you watch along with the person in the movie who is watching them. And then there's like a meta narrative. It's basically the Assassin's Creed of horror movies. Um, I won't explain that reference, but um, in the second movie, there's a cool VHS tape where there's like an invisible guy who's chasing these people in a forest. Do you remember that one? Invisible guy chasing people in a forest. No. Yeah. There's like an invisible guy chasing. There's like an invisible, like serial killer chasing people in a forest and um he like appears as like static in the vhs tape so you can see him but i I don't think they can something like that are you thinking Um, of marble hornets no 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 no. No, this is for sure i'm i'm 100 percent. that sounds like marble hornets that sounds like slender man stuff i don't remember that one i thought you were gonna say the commune one i thought the commune one was like definitely one of the the best ones they did i don't remember that one wow See, and that's the best part about VHS is some are so forgettable and some are great. Like, I yeah, think the succubus one was really cool too. Oh, I, I was going to say that's one. one of the worst ones. <laughs> I love that one. What yeah, see, that was cool. <laughs> that's why these movies yeah. are great. Yeah, VHS horror movie, horror is a great genre, and uh, a cool thing about Twilight that I don't think the other movies do quite as well. Um, from what I recall about the, the movies further along in the franchise, um, and what I've seen in New Moon, like. Twilight, the first one, like, isn't a horror movie, but it uses all of these horror movie tropes to add to the moodiness of the movie, to add to this, like, dark tone and somber tapestry that is strewn across Forks, Washington. Um, Like, you do have, like, vampires ripping off heads um, and, you know, I don't know, other spooky things, but... It's not a scary movie. It just it just picks and chooses from the horror genre what it needs to get across its you know horny vampire message. Um, it, it's a, it's like a cool genre bending film in in that regard. Yeah, it's a it's a good time. I, people should watch it if you feel like watching 
uh, but like a 2008 movie. There's a lot of good ones out there, but Twilight should be up there. Yeah, turn on some Fallout Boy and watch Twilight. Do, do you do you remember all the movies that came out in 2008? Because that was like a I banger do. year. That was a banger year. That's that's the year that uh, I think There Will Be Blood came out. I think No Country for Old Men also came out in 2008. Um, I don't remember what else. Dude, Mamma but... Mia. Um, oh, hell yeah, bro. Cloverfield, Taken, uh, so many. Benjamin Button, dude. Dark Knight. Ooh! Jumper. Dude, that There's, is a. That it is it a was such a year. good year. Like so many good things. Okay. And so many, don't like, lump Jumper in with Benjamin Button in the. Dark uh, I mean, Knight. it's just like it was a fun year. It was a fun year for movies. It was like. Like, it goes on and on. Like, I'm looking at a list now, and there's even more that I can't believe that also came out. So, like, Tropic Thunder, Step Brothers, Pineapple oh Express, God. like, Slumdog Millionaire. Like, all those were in 2008. That year was absolutely insane. Like, and then, like, there's a bunch of, like, okay movies, like, 21, Hancock, like, things that were fun, God. but, like... Hancock, Hancock sucked, bro. I hated that movie. Well, yeah, but it was, like, it was... I don't know. I I, I thought, like... That year, there's just such a range of films that, like, I've seen, you know? And, like, there's just so many, like, like really good movies. And at the same time, like, a lot of B movies that came out year that year that were also pretty good. It was just a good year for film. A lot of good stuff came out. Original yeah, Iron that's... Man. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh. Dude, the original Iron Man trailer is one of the first trailers I remember really being excited for. Um, that's a cool trailer. Yeah, what a good year. What a good year. But um, yeah, Twilight obviously was the best among them. Uh, <laughs> of course. Slum, Slumdog Millionaire, uh, pfft, no. Twilight should have won Best Picture. And uh, that is the hill I will die on. Good. I'm glad. Um, well, I feel like we are now reaching the end of our wonderful trip back into uh, the late 2000s and early 2010s with some of the games we talked about. But before we wrap up, I wanted to officially call out one of our corrections as of last week. I know you alluded to it, but I feel <laughs> it's important to set the record straight. Um, yes, I was wrong, but also we can check the tapes. I don't think it was just me. I think I asked for confirmation and our, uh, you know, a guest that will leave nameless uh, told me this was the case and then I agreed, but I'll take the blame. I should have known better. Uh, Better Call Saul is not over with season five. It is actually going to be ending with season six. Um, so yes, we were wrong. Clear in the air. That's what we do here. Nothing but facts. Na 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 boo boo. Stick your head in doo doo. Yes. <laughs> and with that, I will say it out loud because this has been the motion pixels podcast i'm your co-host august meyer august say goodbye say goodbye out loud goodbye uh joined by my co-host matthew rawlings matthew say goodbye goodbye (laughs) and this has been the motion pixels podcast theme song Wow, you actually let me end the podcast like that. No, we're not. It's not over. I'm just going to cut it out.
Oh my <laughs> god, that was good with the Twilight reference. That's like, oh, when I talk about like the the desperate housewives appeal, it's like melodramatic lines like that. Like, say it out loud. 